Memories are living things, just like you and me. They are. They're born, they grow, they develop, they evolve, they die. They're like little people in your mind. On Memory Foam, we're interested in getting to know how these memories shape the stories we share, times in our lives, and even what we know about ourselves. You're listening to Memory Foam. I'm Hiba. Kristen got pregnant when she was in high school, and her whole life changed. When her aunt, whose name is also Kristen, found out, she wanted a way to prevent it, to shield her from a hard life. In this episode, I talked to Kristen Squared about their memories of this time and the lasting impact it's had on their lives, but so much more emerged than just their differences of recollection or opinion. In this episode, you'll get a visit from the ghost of perspective past and the ghost of perspective present. You'll hear Aunt Kristen say it right from the start. She finds this all humorous now. And you'll hear from Kristen, the mom, not the aunt, about her primary text from this time and how she's used it to reconcile her sometimes straying memory. And how she's just now, seven years later, as a mom and a medical school student, learning to cope with the traumatic aspects of this time in her life. And you'll hear from Riley, Kristen's daughter, the catalyst of all these memories and the final product they were all waiting for in the first place. And yet, she's so unaware of the swirl of memories around her. She only kind of knows about all of these memories that are even older than she is and inextricably linked to her and her physical existence. We are so excited to be sharing this episode with you. So, without further ado... Well, I will tell you, in retrospect, I actually find it very humorous, but it took me a long time to to get to that point of where I think it's very humorous. But at the time, I think it was a mixture of, like, shock and just bad timing. So... I thought I was pregnant, and this was back in April of, I think it was 2007, and um, I was in high school. I was a junior. I actually snuck off of campus during lunch off of the high school campus with my friend Kimberly, and we went and bought a pregnancy test at Walgreens, and then we went back to school, and in the locker room, I took the pregnancy test, and it came back positive, and I was crying and really upset. Kimmy, she just, she like didn't even know how to react. She's like, these things just like don't happen to people I know. And it, it's just like kind of surreal. Like I almost, when I think back on it, I see myself there. I don't see it like through my own eyes. I was just crying and really upset. And then I, lunch ended and I had to go to Spanish class. You went back to class. Yeah, I went back to class. <laughs> the rest of the day, I just remember it being like very slow. Like I just remember like every minute felt like forever. And it was a Friday. I had planned to take it um, on that Friday just so I could, like, have the weekend to figure out what I wanted to do. I don't know why I didn't think about taking it, like, at home. Like, school kind of felt like a safer environment for me just because I, like, wasn't very close with my family at the time. So I took the test, and I had that weekend, and I knew I wanted to tell my aunt first, my Aunt Kristen, who um, is my mom's sister, and I thought... If she were there to tell me with my mom, the conversation would go better. Things wouldn't be so scary. And she um, 
travels a lot, and she was going to be in town that Monday or Sunday. I think it was Monday. So my sister, my younger sister Claire and I, asked my aunt if she wanted to go out to dinner. And just a little background, I had just started a very, very good job as a vice president for a company that was based in the Milwaukee area. And I happened to be down for training at this company outside of Milwaukee. And Claire, her sister, texted me and said, hey, are you in the vicinity? And I said, yeah, it just so happens. And she said, Kristen and I would like to have dinner with you tonight. I know my nieces. I mean, usually it's, hey, what are you doing? Do you want to get together? Oh, so the, the red flag immediately kind of went up. And so I said, okay, where would you like to meet? And so we went to this Chinese restaurant in Milwaukee. And my mom, I guess, had told my aunt that I'd been acting kind of weird and like, that over that weekend and I just been like I really want to go eat dinner with Aunt Kristen by myself with Claire and I guess my mom had there was like some red flags for her that something was going on. Um, there's a Chinese restaurant not too close from where Kristen grew up in that one. So I get to the restaurant and we order and I could tell by their body language that something was going on. I didn't know because I know them very, very intimately and, and I babysat for them since they were toddlers. So I knew that the dynamic between the two girls, between Claire and Kristen, was it was not normal. Did Claire already know at this point? Yeah, I told my sister Claire. Um, I had called her and it was just two that a friend's house and I was like, by the way, I'm pregnant. <laughs> she was like in eighth grade. It was... He was just like, okay, like. <laughs> and so I said, hey, what's up? What's going on? And, and you know, they both actually looked, exchanged glances. And Kristen said nothing, and she just sat there. And then Claire just blurted out, Kristen, Kristen's pregnant. So... Then I went to dinner with my aunt, um, kind of fast-forwarding a few days, and she walked in, and my sister and I were already there sitting at a table, and she jokingly said, I thought you were going to say, or it was like a question, it was like, is anyone pregnant here? And I raised my hand. <laughs> she hadn't even sat down, it was like when she like had was like still walking to the table, and I just remember she was like, oh my gosh, like... You know, like, let's not tell your mom, like, we can just go get an abortion and everything. And I don't even remember, like, eating the food or, like, what I ordered or anything. I had, I don't know, Kung Pao chicken or something. I almost choked. <laughs> but, <laughs> and I said, what? And then she blurted, she blurted out, and you're the first person that we're telling. And I said, I said, I don't know whether to be honored or like shocked or what. And then Kristen said, that's because we trust you, and Kristen, we trust you. And I said, do your parents know? No, they don't know. And then Kristen said, we were kind of hoping that you would tell them. <laughs> Which is like... It was just like probably the worst job any aunt could have. 
And then we had a very, very frank discussion, and I was pretty forceful. I said, Kristen, you need to have an abortion. And Claire said, well, I don't think Kristen knows whether she wants to have an abortion. I don't think she believes in abortion. And that's when I just kind of lost it. And I said, okay, let me get this straight. You're 17. Both your parents are doctors. You didn't practice birth control. You don't believe in abortion. What the hell do you think you're going to do? I mean, I mean, and so I think I got a little riled up. I was scared for her future, knowing that it's hard enough to just get out there and get to college and move on in your life without having a baby. And just as an aside, I have no children. And then she, at the end of dinner, she was like, okay, like, don't come home. I'm going to go home and talk to your mom myself with Claire. (laughs) And so I drove to, my boyfriend at the time was at gymnastics practice. And so I drove to his practice and just, like, sat outside because I didn't exactly know what to do. And I had already told him. I could have called him on the phone and told him that I was pregnant. How did he react? He, so he was at gymnastics meet, and he had said, okay. And he was like, well, I'll stay and support you. And I kind of was like, do you really even understand what that means? Um, and I was like, I don't really want you to say one way or, or another. I'm just kind of letting you know and, like, we'll have to tell our parents and we'll figure it out from there. And so I'm thinking, oh my God, this is like the worst thing I've ever had to do in my life. So I went, I went over there and Nikki, her mom was working on the computer up in the bedroom. And I just sat down and I just said, Nikki, Hey, I have something to tell you. And she goes, what? And I said, Kristen's pregnant. And it was actually pretty humorous because Nikki just kept typing on her computer and she said, yeah, I knew there was something up. And then I said, and then I said, well, what do you, what do you think about that? And Nikki said, well, she has to have an abortion. Um, while I was sitting outside at um, his practice, my mom called and she was like, just come home. She's like, well, you know, you can just get an abortion and, you know, like tell him not to tell his parents and things can go back to normal. My mom at the time didn't want to tell my dad or or have him know about it. She just wanted to take care of the problem and move on. Right. And I just, um, I just like felt like it wasn't the right choice for me. Like I felt like I was in a place where I could have the baby and then give it up for adoption. And I don't really know why in my head, but I felt like that was the right choice. Like I can't even like explain why I felt like that was the right choice. Like I don't think I was logically thinking through anything. So when I told my mom, I didn't want to get an abortion. She kind of was like, okay, I don't want you to come back until you get an abortion at all. And so I ended up staying at my grandma's house, who lived closer to my school. So I was kind of able to use that that as an excuse. And there was a lot of kids in my family. There are four of us, and I'm the oldest. So I kind of was like, oh, I just, like, wanted to be quiet and study. And She didn't know. You didn't tell her. Right. And it was like, I, I remember just, like, being extremely tired all the time. And, like, my mom and my aunt called me, like, a lot of names. Um, like over the phone and like they called me a slut and a whore. And then I don't know if she told you, my sister and I took her out to dinner one night to try to really talk to her about having an abortion or we got into a huge fight and she left. So one time they asked me to come out to dinner with them at this little restaurant that was, I think it was like eight miles from my house, eight or six miles. And when we were there, they were just like, 
oh, so let's get pregnant and all this stuff. And I actually just like left and walked all the way home. They wanted to guilt me into getting an abortion. They were worried about what my future would be um, if I chose to continue the pregnancy. And I think they were kind of scared themselves. And so that was just kind of their gut reaction was to do that rather than taking a step back and kind of thinking things through. I think my aunt told my grandma or somehow my grandma found out and um, my grandma was actually really supportive and she got really mad at my mom and her sister, my aunt Kristen, um, who were her two children. And she was like, I can't like, why would you treat somebody like that? I can't believe what you're doing. And she actually had shared with me that back when she was younger, she used to um, drive babies between the birth mother and the adoptive family. And so, yeah. And so she would see these like young teenage parents giving up their child and they would like write little notes or like put little trinkets in the blanket and they'd be crying. And then she would drive them to these families that were, you know, were able to take care of this child. And on both sides, it was like, it was loving and it was, but it was like a gain and a loss at the same time. And so I think she kind of saw from that situation when I found myself pregnant as a teenager, just kind of felt more sympathetic because she was really supportive and let me stay there. And um, there was like so many things that happened. And I feel like it's like sometimes it's hard to like parse through exactly the timeline of when things happened. But my mom had said that she, um, had found a doctor for me to see. And at the time I had thought, okay, well, it's probably going to be GYN or, you know, someone that takes care of pregnant people. And so she picked me up from school and she actually brought me to an abortion clinic in Milwaukee. Did that even cross your mind that she would actually end up driving you to an abortion clinic? It did. Um, there was like a part of me that was like, okay, maybe this could be what's happening, but I think part of me also wanted to believe that, like, I had just, like, wanted someone to be my corner so badly that I was like, okay, like, you know, my mom wouldn't do this, like, just give her the benefit of the doubt type of thing. Um, but it definitely had crossed my mind that maybe that's, like, when she said she wanted to offer that's what she meant. Um, and when we got there, it was, like, pretty clear that that's like, where we were going. And she was, like, crying in the car, and she was like, You've ruined my life. You've ruined our family. Um, and I just remember, like, I, I didn't cry at all, but I just remember feeling, like, the weight of things, like, put on my shoulders. Like, I already, like, felt heavy and, like, down. And it was just, like, so much more added to that experience. And when we walked to the clinic, there were protesters outside. and They were yelling. And um, there was some, kind of like an escort stood by the door and, like, ushered us in. I don't know. It was difficult. But then after that, when I met with the abortion provider, he was incredible. And um, my mom had said, you know, my daughter's getting an abortion. We're going through with this. And he was like, he kind of explained to me the options I had, um, which is like what the difference between a medication abortion and a surgical abortion. And when he saw that I kind of wasn't really receptive or wasn't really responding and I just was kind of like okay okay he was like you know there is a third option and he's like you can continue the pregnancy if you would like you know if you're not sure with the decision you want he's like walk out of the clinic today and he's like you don't have to make another appointment at all if you change your mind you can call and make one but he's like you want to make a decision that 
in, you know, six months to a year to whenever you can look back on and say, I made the right decision for myself. And so he was like really supportive of the choice I wanted. And um, even then, like I still was trying to sort through the options I had and at least give some credit to what my mom wanted to and still, you know, view that as an option, whether or not that's what I felt like at the time. Um, and as we were leaving, my mom was like trying to force me to make another appointment and the social worker who had come over earlier um, had kind of stepped in and was like, you, you can't force her to do this. Like you can't, you know, force her to get, make another appointment or force her to come back in and get an abortion. Like this is her choice. And we kind of, we walked out of the clinic and didn't make another appointment. And after that, my mom kind of came around and she brought me vitamins and everything. And um, we never really talked about it. But that was kind of like her gesture of being like, okay, I'm supportive. And then she was the one who told my dad. My sister texted me. She was like, dad's on his way over. And I was like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I, I was more scared of what his reaction would be than my mom's. And I was like, oh my God, like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get murdered or something. And so I remember I was like, okay, I have to pretend I'm asleep. And then he'll like not bother me. And so I like turned off the lights and like laid in bed and pretend I was sleeping. And he walked in and all he said was like, he's like, I love you and I support you. And that was really it. Um, and so I don't exactly know how he initially reacted, but that's later on that night when he came over, that's what he said to me. And eventually my aunt came around too, I guess. And after my daughter was born, she became more supportive. <laughs> And then, of course, then I took the approach of, okay, you don't want to have an abortion. Then, then you should adopt the child out to somebody because you will never be able to continue. And she's like, oh, I don't know. And, and this is what court to be, too, is, like, well, all my friends are really supportive. And I said, your friends are not going to be supporting you. <laughs> you know, like, financially. <laughs> so throughout this whole thing, my dad had offered, he was like, look, like, I know you want to give her up for adoption, but I can financially help you out. So can you, would you consider keeping her? And I was really lucky that my, my dad offered that. But at the same time, um, my mom, I have a lot of pressure still for my mom and my aunt Kristen to give her up for adoption. Kind of, you know, they were like, you know, this is a big choice. And I think that they still kind of wanted to brush everything under the rug, almost like the 1960s where women would go away to school for a year and then come back. But really, they were going to be like teen parent schools. My boyfriend's family wouldn't let him see me or talk to me the whole time. And they called me a lot of names and um, they were they weren't very supportive at all. I think in their own way during that time, they think they were supportive. Um, I was going to a private school at the time and they actually had to meet and talk with the school over the summer and the school had requested I not come back or go on school campus or to any school activities until after I had my daughter. I kind of felt like really isolated and I felt kind of mad at my parents. I was kind of like, you know, you're the people that were supposed to defend me and, you know, help me through this. And instead you're just like, well, you should be grateful that the school will let you back to graduate. Um, and I just kind of felt like everything was my fault. Like, it was like, you should be grateful that any, you know, it was kind of this idea that, like, I had, like, messed up so much that I should be grateful that anyone was, like, trying to help me at all. It's kind of how I felt that whole time. I do have to say one thing that I really was incensed about was the fact that her, you know, boyfriend at the time, he had to sit out a semester 
of football, but Kristen was asked to leave the school. It's like, it just was a shame. And it was a little disheartening for me as a woman, you know, raised in the 70s. Is this where we are as a society that we have no problem rewarding a male who gets a woman pregnant, but the woman is like the scarlet letter, you know, and I think that was a wake-up call for me about how far we have to go. Um, And I just don't think you can really simulate the experience of being like a young parent, particularly young, and looking like you're pregnant and walking around in public and people just stare at you and they look for wedding rings. I remember for a while I wore fake wedding rings just to like make the stare stop. But at some point I was kind of like, you know, if I can accept who I am and the decision I've made, then everyone should be able to do so as well. So I stopped wearing it. Um, when I had my daughter, um, I had her on December 26th, the day after Christmas. And my boyfriend and his whole family showed up at the delivery room and acted as if like they had seen me yesterday. And at the time I was like just so thankful that these people were coming back into my life and people were, you know, actually caring that I had kind of chosen to forget everything that happened in the past. Um, But, you know, a month after I had my daughter, my boyfriend broke up with me. But because he didn't want people to think he was, like, a bad father, he wanted me to pretend like we were still going out. So I really felt like I was manipulated and used by a lot of people. Now, as I'm finally starting to deal with some of these issues I have from this experience, when I kind of articulate them, people are like, Okay, yeah, but it, it was hard on everybody. And to me, I kind of feel like I'm never allowed to, like, hold, have these feelings and they can just exist as they are. And people can just say, wow, that was so crappy that that happened to you. If I was like, but things are okay now. Or, but, you know, your daughter's doing so well. There's, that was a but statement. That's never, like, what I felt or what I still feel is allowed to, like, exist in that moment. So one of my friends, Kimmy, the one who was there when I took the pregnancy test, had made a joke. She's like, you should keep a diary because you could be on Oprah or something. Because when I got pregnant, this was before Juno, before Jamie Lynn Spears, before Bristol Palin, before the MTV show 16 and Pregnant. So there was like no social reference for me for what I was going through. And so I kept this diary as terrible as it was, but um, it served as kind of this like these memories I had in those moments that I had forgotten about later and it took me three years to read actually it was probably my junior year in college when I decided to sit down and actually reread it and these memories that I had forgotten and moved on from like reopened and I ended up having a lot of problems with some of the people that I didn't realize I had many problems with just from like reading the primary text of what happened during that time they kind of reopened some wounds that just from time had kind of healed, I guess, not even healed. Like, I think with time, you just kind of forget some things. And so rereading some of the exact words that people had said to me was just kind of like really hurt. Do you still have that diary? I do. Do you read it a lot? Sometimes. Um, when I'm having problems articulating it, sometimes I'll pull it out and just have someone read it as, as the person I was at that time. Because I think it's easier to see kind of the struggles I was going through then and maybe how that can relate to now. Um, But I I still reread it sometimes. I think 
I just think it was interesting how I was almost able to forgive everyone right after I had my daughter. And it took years to reread it and really reflect to be like, no, this was really messed up. I don't think there's anything I wish I could forget about. Um, I think all of, I think the experience as a whole has, I want to, like, it sounds so cliche, but has made me a better person. My second day of medical school, they made us put up kind of a timeline of our lives and what our experiences were. And I got up there and I, and I was like, I was like, oh my God, in my head, I was like, I know I'm going to cry. And I get to the part where I had to talk about being a teen parent and I just like broke down sobbing and I, it was so embarrassing. Like, and I was like, I don't understand why, like, I don't understand why I'm crying. Being a teen parent, I still think I can be judged a lot for it. And there's a lot of stigma that goes around with being a teenage parent. Um, and so I think I would, at that time, I was still getting anxiety from having to, like, publicly announce that. I really felt like I needed to kind of work through those feelings and those memories and how to really deal with those hurtful memories but not forget them, but deal with them in a productive way to be able to fully move on from the experience. You know, it takes a lot of fortitude and a lot of effort to do what she did, and especially criticism. I mean, she had to overcome a lot of criticism. So I think I'm especially happy about the fact that my niece overcame tremendous obstacles and went on to medical school. I think that that, I'm not sure if I could do that, to be quite honestly. What does Riley know about this time? I mean, have you shared everything with her or... Right. So she didn't really start asking questions until kindergarten when they learned about family. And they basically taught like a heteronormative nuclear family. And so she came home and she was like, why aren't you married to my dad? Why is my dad not living with us? And, you know, some of these questions. And I was just kind of like, you know, you're so lucky because so many people have have, have loved you and picked you. Like my mom really you know, she eventually did come around and she ended up basically having to put her career on hold to help me raise my daughter. You know, my dad obviously became very supportive and my sisters and she really had this whole community raising her. And so I kind of tried to focus on those. I never wanted to say anything bad about anybody. I kind of was like, it's difficult to put on a child. But as she's become older, I've opened up more because I think it helps now that she's older, she can interpret my relationships a little bit better. She can see my relationship with my mom is like a little bit strained or that I have a difficult time talking to her father. And I did tell her she's seen the diary I have um, from that time. And I've told her, yeah, when she's older, she can read it. And um, the other day, I guess she was looking at it and my boyfriend's like, you know what's in there? And she's like, yeah, some dark times. So she, she kind of understands. Like she knows a little bit about the abortion clinic, but I phrase it in a way it's like, I chose to have you. And so she really understands the like, quality of life argument, I think, um, because it's like I chose to have her versus like I almost had an abortion type of thing. So she understands those little things, but it's not like the full conversation hasn't been there. And I'm thinking as she asks more questions and as she gets older and understands more that I can like further those conversations with her but it's definitely an open conversation and never something when we're chatting about that we try to push under the rug or anything do you get the sense that she kind of knows more than she lets on (laughs) no i think no 
No, I don't think she's really at the maturity level to understand the nuances of what happens. I think the fact that she calls Jacob, like, her bonus dad and everything, I think that's the fact that, yes, yeah, and, and, you know, I guess in my opinion, she probably goes to school with other kids that have parents who are divorced, so she kind of gets the idea of the whole, you know, mixed family of of stepdad and that kind of thing. But I have refrained from talking to her about it just because I think I would talk to Kristen first. I just, I just think that's the right thing to do. She's the mom. Here, Riley, can you say hi? Hi. Hi, I'm Hiba. Nice to meet you. So, um, what do you remember about the first moments of your life? Do you remember when you were born and when you were a baby? No. I don't remember anything. Riley, do you know I'm younger than other moms at your school? Here we go. Yeah. Yes, yes, I really can. Yeah. Who is the second oldest? I don't know. I just know I'm the youngest by a lot. Who's the oldest? Who's the oldest one? I don't know. Would you rather have an old mom or a young mom? Yeah. Young mom like me? Yeah. Why? <laughs> Did it makes me a good mom. Yeah. Make me a cool mom? Yeah. <laughs> Remember what books I used to read? Yeah. Mary Shakespeare? Yeah. How old was that? You were like a few months old because I had to do my homework for school and so I would read you. Yeah, and so you would sleep in bed with me and I'd read you Hamlet. How big was I? You were a tiny little baby. No, you were bigger than that. Yeah. Tell her. Um, does she know about it? Mm-hmm. You can tell her. Tell her what you're looking at. I'm looking at her stomach when I was inside her stomach. Do you regret um, maybe trying to force Kristen to get a abortion? Do you think that you were still justified and and wanting that for her? I mean, I know it was coming out of love and you were trying to take care of her. Do you think? your reaction would still be the same today? I stand by my decision and my position. I think if the same thing happened tomorrow to Claire or anyone else, I I think I would do the same thing because I feel that that was the best choice. And I stand by the decision I told her that she should make. Um, I, I feel badly about how our family Certain members of my family handled it in a way that was very accusatory and very inappropriate. I guess that's all I can say. Because once I once once I knew that she was going to have the baby, I just said, you know what? We have to love her and we have to accept this and move on. Looking back at the event of the Chinese restaurant. I've always, always, always told my nieces and nephews, maybe because I didn't grow up in a household like this, is that you can come to me and tell me anything. I really don't care. I'm not going to tell your parents. Uncle Brian and I are here for you. I want you to feel like our house is your house. 
you know, no matter what's happening. Well, that's the last thing that I thought would be, she'd be telling me. <laughs> that's really funny that you say that because um, in Kristen's memory, you she told me that when you walked in, you made a joke about her being pregnant. Yeah, that's right, yes. <laughs> I do remember that now that you bring it up. You're not pregnant, are you? She said we were we were waiting for her to come sit down, and on the way to the table, she said, "Is one of you pregnant?" <laughs> <laughs> well, I can read I can read both of those kids like a book. I mean, totally. So anyway, that's pretty. Yeah, I, I forgot I forgot about that. I forgot about that. So I hope she can find the humor in it. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you to Kristen and Kristen and Riley for sharing their memories with us. This episode was produced by myself, Hiba Alarbani, with help from Will Lemkule. Editing and music is also brought to you by Will Lemkule. We have a website now. That's www.memoryfoampodcast.com. You can find links there to all the episodes, and we promise we'll have much more content up soon. We're also on iTunes and SoundCloud. If you like us in real life, you should also like us on Facebook. If you or someone you know is interested in sharing a memory or getting involved with memory foam, please email memoryfoampodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.